I had an athlete several years ago that went to beach to battleship and it was the coldest and windiest day that race has ever seen. It was like 40 degrees and windy. People were wearing their wetsuits on the bike because it was so cold. And we trained up for this race. I mean, and I mean, that falls under the crap happens. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another hands-free episode <laughs> of Coaches on Couches. Bing slouches. We're like extra slouchy with the the uh, ottoman pulled all the way a little, in. A little extra here. Uh, let's get deep couch. The comfort sitting. level. If we fall asleep midway through, Matt wakes us up. Matt wakes us up. All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, our love for uh, short course racing. If you're watching live, we made these shirts, I don't know what. It's been a while now. A long time ago. We made them maybe six years ago, five, six years ago, at least, maybe more, six, seven years ago. And, um, you know, we've always, we've always both really enjoyed uh, the shorter, harder uh, events. And we'll get into that and we'll get into the benefits and kind of uh, plead our case to you long course athletes uh, who kind of swear off short course racing especially the beginners yeah we'll get to it but first first shout outs gotta have the shout outs all right so i'll lead off uh our boy greg Rody uh just yesterday hit his uh fastest smile split ever um when you're when you're talking about a guy who last year um I think it was about this time last year, he was running a 9.30 pace, mm-hmm. like, on longer runs. Uh, and now he's knocking down 6.15 miles, 6.14 mile. Nice. For, you know, it's a max mile, but still. There you go. Um, you know, it's come a long way, come a long way. So, shout out, Greg. A guy who focused on short course. Yeah, he did. I talked him into it. And he's, uh, he's getting uh, pretty fast, pretty quick. Excellent. <clears throat> Who else next? we got? We got Allie Timms. Yep. Uh, the off road series. Yeah. One of our youth athletes. Top top ten overall and uh what, first in her age group? First age group, top ten female finish. That's one of Coach Chris's athletes. Yep. Coach uh, Chris has been uh and she's yeah, she's one of the youth uh young athletes. So she's she's progressing well. Yep. Doing a good Which job. is great to see. And this swamp uh Swamp Stopper. Yeah, Swamp this past Stomper weekend. was last weekend and it was uh pretty uh swampy. Yeah. And uh our uh guy we've been working with, uh, Coach Chris has been working with, I worked with him a little bit, uh William Hennessy. Shout out William. He got uh second overall at the, in the twenty five K and then our buddy uh Doug Earthman uh won the twenty five gay overall. Good so. job to both you guys and everyone that went out. That's a that's a fun event and yeah, tough uh, one. Yeah, it was pretty muddy. It rained like all day Saturday, and then there were some flurries on the ground. It looked yeah, like uh, got cold. Yeah, and shout out to the uh, the Merrill Jays over here. <laughs> shout out to Brian's Merrill Jays. <laughs> he just came in. Brian uh, got these new shoes for early morning training sessions. These are new team issue, man. These are team issue now. They and look like they're Merrill hiking boots, but they look like Jordans. They look like Jays, man. <laughs> so we're we're putting them on display. <laughs> So shout out to Merrill for making some <laughs> uh, some non, non-paid like advertising for the uh, the old Merrill J. Yeah. Not actually their name, but we're saying it should be. Yeah, yeah. New name, Merrill. 
Male Jays. <laughs> All right, let's dive into it. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about short course racing and the benefits of short course racing. So what, first of all, what is short course? Uh, you know, I obviously speak more on the triathlon end of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, so we're talking sprint and Olympic distance triathlon. So, uh, sprint being somewhere around anywhere from 400. I mean, you go super sprint if you want to like 200 meter yard swim and a, uh, 10 mile bike and a two K run or a two and a half K run, you know, sprint being, uh, f usually 400 yards to 750 meters on the swim, and then usually 12 miles, 20k yeah, on the bike, and yeah. then and then three or five, three to four miles, 5k somewhere in there on the run, and then even Olympic these days is considered or intermediate distance is considered short course. Um, you know, with a 1500 meter swim, 40k bike, and and 10k run. So um, we're talking about the shorter events. Um, you know, excluding the half and full iron distance, uh, events, you know, if you're talking about, um, running five K's, even up, up to 10 K mm -hmm. mile, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then in the cycling, pain pain train. Train. <laughs> uh, in the cycling world, uh, that one's pretty loud. That one is loud. Uh, in the cycling world, you know, we're talking more of like, um, you know, Criterium racing, you know, thirty to forty-five minutes. And even a lot of the road, minutes. even a lot of the road races too. Yeah, there seems to be a big shift. It, uh, less in the cycling world, I guess, it's kind of getting that way. Yeah, uh, where you know the longer events. If you start thinking duration above, you know, that five-hour mark on any of these four-hour mark, you start getting into that kind of what we would call longer duration stuff. Yeah where your training time really has to ramp quite a bit in order yep. to perform well. You hinge a lot on volume versus anything else. Exactly. So um, the benefits of short course, what are the benefits of racing short course and why you should be racing short course uh, or why, you know, this is, these are kind of the points I use to uh, um, kind of persuade my athletes into mm -hmm. racing short course for at least a little bit of time. Um, yeah, if you're if you're new to the sport, especially, yeah, beginners to any sport should be focusing on the shorter distances. I mean, if I had it my way, um, anybody that I I coached would do short course for at least two seasons before they did much longer. Yep. Uh, and and they, that way we're just we're we have the time to develop skills mm -hmm. and speed. Um, that we don't otherwise have if we have to put all of that time into volume. Uh, that's that's huge. So And the ability to just be able to keep things interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, if you got someone who's going from no training, not being able to handle any sort of training stress, yep. to now they want to do, and we've had it before, people that want to do a, a full Ironman. Out the gate. Out, they've yep. never done a single event. Yep. Maybe have never even been in the pool besides splashing around and uh, drinking a brewski. Yeah. <laughs> But they want to go long course, and all, all you can really do with an athlete like that is focus on a gradual volume ramp. Right. And so you're doing a lot of sub-threshold stuff. It's just and progressive it, volume build. I mean, get out and ride a little longer than last week kind of thing. Which I, I like to put it out there that I don't, I don't dislike long course. I have nothing against long course. You heard it here first. Dale hates long I, course. <laughs> <laughs> I love coaching people. Uh, to, to doing long course events, um, 
you know, especially if it's like a big goal that somebody's had for a long time, yep. um, you know, there's no better feeling, you know, than watching somebody cross a, a finish line for an Ironman and then just be totally excited and elated because they didn't think they could ever do something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Oh, for sure. Um, but a lot of what we focus on is keeping you, keeping people in the sport and keeping the sports moving and progressing. Um, and a lot of times when you get so into long course so quickly, you, the burnout comes oh, because exactly. of the volume, you know. So, I mean, we, uh, we term it the, the Ironman hangover. Yeah, for a reason. Where it's really easy <laughs> yeah. after an event of that nature with training that's got to be, you know, so much. Yep. That afterwards you're like, oh, gosh. Yes. I just need a break. So you folk, so when you're when you're doing short course racing, there's less training time. Period. You don't have to you know you don't have to go out and do, you know, uh, four to six hour rides every weekend or you know two to three hour runs. There's a lot more time you know, and you can use that time to spend with family, keep mm-hmm. family happy, um, you know. And there's just a, a a much much less risk of burnout and you just piecing out from the sport. Yep. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people, you know, we're going on 10 years of coaching people and I can't tell you how many people that I've had come to me f- to do specifically do a half or full Ironman. And then when they get done, you, you'll never hear from them again. Yep. And they don't, they don't continue to do the sport. It's not that, that they just kind of focus on something else. They don't do it at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, or if they do start dabbling back in it, it's six months later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and going from doing all that fantastic you know, fifteen plus hours a week to now you're doing yeah. nothing because you need and want that mental and physical. So whenever <laughs> I take on somebody who's doing long course, the first thing that I tell them is my goal is that at the end of this process, you cross the finish line, we do the best time we can, and you don't quit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's sure. it. If if you don't quit, I know we did it right. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you know, if you're still excited to, yep. uh, to stay in the sport. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So less time, you know, training means more time with family, happier family usually means you, your longevity in the sport is much higher. Yep. Um, the other benefit is you can race as much as you want, uh, you know, within reason you can race as much as you want and you'll recover from it like quickly mm-hmm. you go and do a hour long uh, sprint try on a week, you know, on a Saturday and you're fine Saturday afternoon. You're fine, you know, and Sunday, like, um, you know, you go and do a, a, a half or full Ironman and you're, you're probably not walking straight for, mm-hmm. you know, at least a couple of days. Um, and there's a good chance that, you know, at least the week leading into it, you're probably going into it lighter to freshen the body up. Yep. So now you're at least, you know, two weeks essentially where you haven't really, you know, done a lot of, yeah. a lot of training really. You've got the race in there obviously, but. And then you can ramp back into training too quickly. Mm-hmm. Like even if people who, who are still very excited about it and want to get back into training or train for another one or continue on training, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a two week, you know, a two week, uh, recovery period from something of that magnitude. Yep. Uh, and you, you know, your risk of injury in that period is, is much higher. Mm-hmm. So you can race as much as you want and you can recover from it. Exactly. Um, and just the experience you get from racing is huge. That will pay off if you do make the shift yeah. to long course later. Yep. 
racing, learning how to race, being in that environment, dealing with nerves, running through pre-race oh, yeah. prep. I mean, all those things are going to give you a much better chance. If if your ultimate goal is long course stuff, if it's a half half Ironman, full Ironman, practicing that and having confidence in your routine, in your prep, yep. in that situation, learning your body, knowing your body is going to give you a lot better chance of success when you do transition over. And most yep. people aren't doing a, a bunch of you know long course events per year. Nope. A lot of people are targeting you know one or two. In a year. So you got one or two chances to show up on race day ready to rock. Yeah. And if you've never really gone through that, I mean, it's a learning process in, in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a good point. And then, and actually what, what I wrote down as one of the benefits of short course racing is, you know, we always, we all, we all want to pick a goal race and we all want to like pick a, a race to do our best at. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're racing more short course races, you don't necessarily have to pick a goal race you can you kind of build fitness to, into like a general time range exactly and then yeah. whenever the peak fitness happens we can just race like mm-hmm. whenever you feel like a beast we can race uh you know we don't have to be as uh exact on like the day the exact day and yeah, time trying to get that, that week right <laughs> yeah uh that you are in peak fitness yeah um and then it, if you don't have like I always say like a a equals anxiety. So anytime you put an a on a race, so that's their goal race, their a race, people freak out about it. Mm-hmm. Generally, it doesn't even matter if it's a long course or short course. People flip out about goal races. Yeah, there's extra extra stress, extra nerves. But you want to have a good result, right? But in the event that you 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 know you pick one race or two races a year, and you put all those eggs in that basket. There's all of these things that can happen out of your control. Yeah, you, I mean, the weather. I've had I've had I had an athlete several years ago that went to beach to battleship, and it was the coldest and windiest day that race has ever seen. It was like 40 degrees and windy. People were wearing their wetsuits on the bike because it was so cold, and we trained <laughs> up for this race. I mean, and uh, I mean, that falls under the crap happens yeah, category, I guess. Yeah, but. You know, you put a lot of eggs in the basket and then, mm-hmm. you know, just there are certain things you just never know yep. can happen. Yep. You know, it even goes for like, you know, it's for any race, but you never know who's going to show up. So if your goal is even like, you have big goals of like placing in your age group or qualifying for Kona or, or 70.3 worlds, oh, you don't know who's going to show up that day, you know, and you put all the eggs in that one race and, you know, you may be one or two spots off just because a few people showed up that Mm-hmm. you didn't expect to to come you know so there's just a lot of uncontrollables that happen when you when you put your uh you know your effort into one or two races when in short course if you want to qualify for nationals like we can if if it doesn't happen in the first race let's do another one yeah exactly let's pick another one in a couple of weeks or yeah. whatever um no biggie like we can. We don't necessarily have to put so much focus on one race. And again, mm-hmm. that goes back to longevity in the sport. Like that keeps people motivated because there's constantly, you know, there's we can constantly push little goals mm-hmm. and like go to the next one, little goal, go to the next one. Um, whereas, like for most people, pick a long course race, you train up for it, you do it, and it's over. Yeah. Like, okay, 
I, I want to do better at long course, but now I have six months yeah. between now and then. So it's just much harder to set those, those short-term goals when you're doing like races six, six months apart. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't really get to test different scenarios. All your testing comes in training. Right. And training, I mean, you have to be a very focused, disciplined, motivated person to go out there yeah. and, and truly simulate your event. Yeah. Usually, you know, for, for a triathlete, especially that would mean you kind of got to be solo. You're not going to be out there on a group ride testing, testing your event. Whereas short course stuff, you've got multiple events you can do. You can test yep. different scenarios. You can test, you've talked about it before. You've had athletes where it's like, Hey, we're going to hit the, the swim and the bike as hard as we can and see if we can hang on for the run. Like love, you can test that. Yeah, you can't test that if you only have one race each year. So right. learning what your strengths and weaknesses are, learning what works for you, what doesn't, is something you can do if you yeah. have multiple events. I mean, kind of regardless of duration, if you have multiple events, you can test that. Yeah. The the issue we have with long course, which isn't really an issue, we love the challenge of it. Uh, but the issue we have with it is you just can't do that many events without really risking burnout, injury. So there's less opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to test things. Yeah. I, I really, I like anybody who I coach that commits to like a season of short course, or even if they're, it's fine. You know, I have a lot of people who do mostly short course and then like end the season with a long course race. Mm-hmm. So we spent the whole season working on speed, 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 speed. And then we can take all that speed that we've gained and we build up at the end of the season for a, a long course race. It's a great, it's a great platform, a great setup to, to have an awesome season. Um, but I always love making people like taking a, tr- a training race uh, and saying, swim as hard as you can mm-hmm. and see what happens. And so, you know, the people who kind of trust the coach, trust me and, and do it. We end up finding that they can swim harder than they think. Yeah. Like, in a race they aren't having to conserve as much as they thought they needed to right mm-hmm. and you know for a lot of people that's like let me just get to the to to t1 like mm-hmm. that's their whole focus in the in the water like for me it was like don't drown when i yeah. did mine <laughs> for some people it is yeah don't <laughs> okay don't stay underwater for more than 10 seconds <laughs> at any given time uh <laughs> if, if, the, if the kayak uh, comes over to you yeah that's not a good sign. Yeah, don't flip over the kayak uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, while you're panicking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you can just you can just try stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've had people who are even strong, like strong in ones in one leg, and we find out that they're really holding back too much mm-hmm. um, on the bike or on the run. They they just think they have to conserve because that's kind of like you're delving out an effort over three sports. Yeah. Um, but they've never tested it, so mm-hmm. we try stuff all the time. Yeah, there's because no better simulation than being in that environment for sure. When you, you race, race once a month, at least you mm-hmm. can try stuff, and you end up pushing. You can use those races as fitness building too. Absolutely, I mean, people push themselves so much harder in a race situation with the excitement, the environment, the other people. You end up pushing yourself so much harder than you would by yourself. So yep. those can strategically be placed in training blocks. Yep to give you that extra training stress that you may not get if it was just, you know, the end of a training block on your, on your own. One of the huge things is building speed first 
yeah. whether it be through targeting you know short course stuff or first half of the season being yeah. shorter faster events build that speed especially if you're a beginner like you you talked about roadie yep. you know ride or, or running 930s and he just hit a, a new one mile pr yep. of low sixes yep so his amount of training time he would have to do yeah when he's running you know say is say you know 930 was his longer run pace but take someone who maybe brand new to the sport they're running 930s the amount of training they're going to have to do for a long course from a from a duration standpoint yeah uh, you know, even if it's a half Ironman, is going to be a lot more than someone who builds speed first, maybe gets down to where they can run sevens, and now they're not having to run or train nearly as much to prepare for that event. So, yeah, I would say I would honestly say if, like, if Greg didn't, uh, if we didn't shift focus from. Um, cause at first he wanted to just do a faster half marathon and then he wanted to do triathlon. But if we didn't shift focus to speed and say, okay, we're going to focus, you know, at least a couple seasons on speed, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way he'd be as fast as he is right now. Mm-hmm. No way. Cause we would have had to spend all that time building volume Yeah, exactly. for, and we'd have no time to, to develop get skills. Old. Yeah. Like he took, he took, he took a lot of time even just to change his running mechanics. Yeah. And that would have never happened if we had to like just continuously build volume. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of benefits to, to building speed first and then going into the, the, to long course, uh, specific training. Uh, one of the other benefits that I personally, maybe I'm cheapo, but uh, you you save a lot of money when you're not, you know, racing a, an event that the entry fee is 800 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, for the entry fee of a typical Ironman, you can race five to eight shorter races. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, you, there's, you know, the travel expenses add up, but yeah. generally if you're going to do uh, a bigger event like an Ironman, you're there uh, four days in advance and you're probably going to stay maybe a day. So it's like, or a day or two. Um, so you're, the costs just add up for that yeah, for one sure. day. I mean, I think yeah. the two that I've done, um, I want to say all in, like with travel and everything, we were close to three, $4,000 yeah. and we tried to make it as cheap as possible. I mean, yeah. we, I, the first one I did was Lake Placid and my family's up there. So I didn't, I only had to pay for a hotel for, uh, one night, two nights. Mm -hmm. And the hotel for two nights was like 700 bucks. Like Ritz Carlton. Yeah. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there was bed bugs in that that hotel. I was itchy the whole Uh, (laughs) time. But it was like all we could find. Everything was sold out. You know, and the places around around most of these big races know that. Oh, yeah. So they're going to inflate the prices. And, um, you know, it's just, it's more expensive to do those races. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the last the last bit is, you know, one of the other benefits that we've put in there is that when you're doing shorter races, you know, anything where the time is like, let's say 90 minutes or less or, or even two hours or less, Nutrition and hydration are far less of an issue. It's not that they're like not important, but 
there you you have far less time to run into the major nutrition and hydration mm-hmm. issues. You're generally not going to bonk on a sprint race or a or an Olympic even an Olympic distance uh, try. You can, but um, depends on the weather a bit, um, or even running into certain hydration issues. I'll say you can because I've done it. Oh yeah, you've done it numerous but, times. But uh, <laughs> but the chances are far less than when you're out there for you know, five, six, 12, 15, 17 hours, um, you know, slogging it out. So that's just another, another benefit. Um, now our, our, our plea to people who are focused on long course, again, not a problem, not a big deal. Um, but there are still reasons and benefits that you should be considering doing at least a few short course races, um, in your season, um, some of them we've already mentioned, like, uh, you know, just practicing speed first, um, you know, the, uh, you know, get faster on the front end, work out the kinks. Like you can go and do, uh, you know, not every long course race has the transitions where you have all the bags and there's volunteers and on some of them are just traditional transition areas go to a sprint race and work on your transition, you know, try to lay out your transition how you would, even if you have extra food and all this stuff, mm-hmm. use that, that shorter race to, to work out the kinks in your transitions and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the big thing for me on, on long course, um, is that I personally feel like long course has really hurt the growth of the sport. Um, one is because of that Ironman hangover, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, where people come in the sport, not really even knowing what triathlon is and what it can be to them. And they want to do this big epic adventure. Great. They finish it, but then they want nothing to do with the sport anymore. So that doesn't really grow the sport. Um, if we have no short course races, there is no triathlon. Because that is that's the gateway for people to continuously get into the sport. So if everybody goes into those long course and all these short course races die off, we don't have triathlon anymore. Eventually, people are going to get tired of doing long course, and then as long course dwindles, we're just sol. Um, so if we um, don't have any new athletes coming in, there's no there's no growth, and that's kind of um, kind of what we've seen over the last few years is that the like 40 plus age groups are ginormous and like the like the youth like you know 16 16 to 20 16 to 25 even 16 to 30 year old age groups are pretty small Mm. and then you know 30 to 40 is hanging on there um but it's a lot of the same people you'll see, like if you go to a national event, you'll see the same people every year. Um, but there's just not a lot of people coming into the sport because there, there have been so many short course events that have just gone away. Like even locally, we've had several that just disappeared and, uh, or some that are, you know, on the fringe of disappearing. Mm -hmm. And it's just one less opportunity for somebody to say, Hey, um, maybe I'll try that out and, mm-hmm. you know, see, see what that sport's all about. Um, so if we start filling, we kind of 
start filling these these short course races back with more competitors right so uh, a race that might now have 100 people or 120 people you know we know that there's a large population of triathletes out there especially locally so for a local race when we know there's a thousand triathletes in our town for a local race to have a hundred people is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, so if those local races build back up, you know, to that four and 500 competitor mark, the more competitors is more, more exciting. The more excitement built around the events, the more sponsors are going to want to get involved. And then it's just like this really fantastic loop that builds the community back up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're losing people in the sport locally, really, but everybody's shifted so much to long course that um, there's just not you just that. Don't race as much. You just don't, yeah, they race don't as race much. as much. Mm-hmm. You don't see the same social <laughs> and camaraderie at events, mm-hmm. um, whereas there used to be just like huge groups of people hanging out, and you know the teams, you know, like every team has. 20 people uh, like at least you know and if we had every team in even our area uh bring 20 people to uh the short course races we'd ha- we'd have immediately have 100 plus uh athletes in every race mm-hmm. um so like even on the tail end of that you're you're helping by entering these small short course races you're helping small business which for us, obviously, is uh, you know, it means a lot to us as well because we're in that boat. But, um, you know, the contrary to popular belief, there's not a lot of margin in <laughs> there's not a lot of margin in short course races. So a lot of a lot of the race directors these days who are putting on these short races are doing it to keep the sport alive, uh, to because it's a labor of love and, um, you know nobody wants to see the sport disappear. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, we just need more people, you know, when they're planning their schedule saying, yeah, I got a local race that weekend. You know, I can, I can go to the local race, do the race, and then I'll just add some mileage afterwards. The race is started seven o'clock in the morning. So, uh, you know, you're done by eight or nine and then you got, you know, even if you're trying to be done by noon, you've got three hours to get in extra miles. Uh, perfect example is uh, a race that we have in Forest City, Arkansas. It's uh, Mighty Might Triathlon. It's a point-to-point race, so every year a group of a group of us will go do the race, and then we end up running back to T2, and then we ride back to T1, and you end up getting in like a two and a half hour day plus a race. Mm-hmm. It's a big training load. Mm-hmm. You know, even for somebody who's doing a, a, a half Ironman, that's a big training load for one day. Um, and to have half of that be race intensity, yep, high you know, quality, yep. bam. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing mm-hmm. training day. Um, so, you know, the other part of it is for the, we kind of talked about this too, is when you're racing short course as a long course competitor, you learn your limits. Long course is all about just delving out effort over long periods of time. Mm -hmm. So 
if you never, ever, ever know where the ceiling is, where that line is, especially too, you just, you never know. Like you never Mm. know your peaks. You never know. Like, you know, we have people all the time that'll hit, you know, their peak 5k or their peak, uh, 20 minute power or something like that in a short course race while they're training for a long course. And then we're saying, Oh, you know, we've been, we've been riding your steady rides a little bit too easy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Using short course for, for zone assessment is huge. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of benefit there to learning the limits and adjusting your pacing and power and stuff like that accordingly that you would have never, ever, ever, ever figured out if you're just out there, steady state, steady state, steady state, just more miles, more miles, more miles, more volume. Yep. So, uh, the last little thing I'll add in there is, you know, short course racing is just a ton of fun. I mean, I've, I've been to a number of iron distance races. Um, I've been to a number of short course races, even at the like national level. Um, it's, it's like a, this, it just seems that short course is just a much more social environment. Mm -hmm. I guess that's easiest way to put it. Like, you you go to because it's, it's not everyone's a race. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's not like everybody there is not completely stressed out about uh-huh. what's going on. <laughs> uh, you know, you go to a longer course race, and it's like even just from getting out of the car, like everybody you walk past either looks really stressed out or like is like staring you up, staring you down. Like, who are you? What are Looking you? for that uh, age number on yeah. your uh, on, yeah. <laughs> on your leg. But it just, you know, it just how happens that, like, the community and social aspect to uh, short course racing is, like, a ton of fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, with the lesser competitor numbers at some of the short course races, uh, post-race activities have maybe dwindled a bit. But there's usually free beer. That's extra beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's usually at least free beer, so <laughs> usually free beer, free food. I don't see I don't see Iron Man giving away free beer. No, man. The, you walk to the finish line, you're like, here's some pizza. I need to, I need like, to up them entry mm-hmm. fees, is my guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. I think that's all we got to say on the matter. Yeah, that's. A we would case. love to hear, especially if you made it to this point. Yeah. What your thoughts are? Are you a long course person? Are you a short course person? And regardless of, you know, we're, we talked a little more about triathlon specific in regards to this, but it yeah. can be applied to folks doing ultra distance running, uh, folks doing, you know, 200, 100 mile plus uh, road events or, or mountain bike events, yep. gravel grinders. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And if you have any questions for us on like how to work this type of racing into your, your season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if you're focusing on long course shoot us an email, shoot us a note, um, you know, get in contact with us and we'll, we'll kind of give you our opinion on, um, on how you should, how you should work it in or when, when, at least when are good times to do that. Cause mm-hmm. there are times where, you know, in the last four weeks or six weeks of, a leading into an Ironman, yeah, you're not going to waste your training time doing a short course event and call it a day. Yeah. There's ways you can work it in, but it's just probably not the best use of your time, but you've got, you know, most for most people that are training for you know four to six months for a long course event, there's time in there to mm-hmm. to do some short course racing and mm-hmm. and gain some benefit from it. So, got anything else, Fussin? I think I think uh, that's it, man. Awesome. 
Well, thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us today. We'll catch you on the flip side. Until next time. Until we're slouching it next week. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Peace.